thank you, Father God. We just welcome you into this place today, Father. We lift up every need to you in this place this afternoon. Father, every concern, every anxiety, Father, we just give it to you right now. In Jesus' name. I don't know if you need something from God this season. Just lift your hands and worship him. And ask him. The Bible says, ask and you shall receive. Knock on the door shall be opened. Whatever things you pray, believe that you receive and you shall have them. In Jesus' name. If you pray according to his word, he hears us. So, Father God, we lift up the needs of this congregation today, Father, in Jesus' name. Financial concerns, Father God. Lord, where are we going to spend Christmas, Father God? Emotional things that we're going through right now. Some of us planning flights to go to different countries, Father God. And some of us not able to go to different countries to see our family members that we care about. God, we just give all these concerns into your hands, Father God, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're the comforter. And we ask you right now that you'll come and comfort and strengthen and encourage, Father, in the name of Jesus. Oh, Holy Spirit, just ask the Holy Spirit to fill you right now. He is the comforter. He is the helper. He's the one who can strengthen you today. Oh, Father God, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father God. Thank you for the filling of the Holy Spirit. Oh, God. Oh, God, we ask you to fill us right now. In Jesus' name. And Father God, we pray tonight for the five and the seven Christmas concerts, Lord. Many people have invited people who are not saved. And Lord, their prayer is that somehow you would open their eyes and that they would see in a simple five or ten minute sermon tonight, God. We know without the Holy Spirit that nothing's going to happen. But with you, Lord, all things are possible. So Father, we pray tonight in the name of Jesus, the sermon goes forth, Lord. Let eyes be open, Lord God. Let family members respond to you. Let work colleagues respond to you, Father God. And let it not just be just a, a hand up in the air. Let it be a real heart change, Father. In the name of Jesus. Lord, anoint all the musicians who are involved in tonight, Lord God. In Jesus' name. Father God, let them get everything right, Lord. According to your will. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Let's give Jesus praise here. <laughs> Hallelujah. You may be seated. Thank you, guys. I want to turn your Bibles to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 1. How many were here this morning for uh, our senior minister's message at the 9 or the 11 o'clock? And he was preaching on a similar verse here. And Matthew's Gospel, chapter 1 and verse 18. I don't know about you, but Christmas is a time where we celebrate the greatest gift that ever came into the world, Jesus Christ. Amen. I said we celebrate the greatest gift that ever came into the world, Jesus Christ. Amen? Hallelujah. Any Christians here today? Are you all non-Christians? Hallelujah. Jesus is the greatest gift. I don't know if you think about it today. What is the greatest gift that you've ever had? What's the greatest gift that you've ever gotten for Christmas? Shout, I mean, apart from Jesus, obviously. Jesus is the best gift that we, we didn't necessarily receive at Christmas time. A tra- electric train set. Yep. Anybody else? A beard? A what? Football boots. Yep. I remember when I got some Predator football boots for, for Christmas. My favorite gift for Christmas was my, my weights bench. And uh, well, it was about, over about 250 pounds. And I didn't think my dad was ever going to buy it. So I kind of, it was kind of a wish thing saying, well, everyone else has got a weights bench. And I think I'll just tell my dad I need a weights bench. And it's about 250 pounds in Argos. And so I sent it off. My dad got me that. And that was one of the greatest gifts 
But when we think about the greatest gift, the greatest gift is Jesus Christ. And I want us to read Matthew's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 18. At the birth of Jesus was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through this prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child, and bear a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from his sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and took to him his wife, and did not know her till she had brought forth a firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. That name Jesus means the Lord who saved. Yeshua, the Lord who saves. I want to talk for a few moments this afternoon to remind you on who Jesus is. On Jesus, for Jesus is the reason for the season. Jesus is the center focus of everything that we're doing. Now, you might be here today, and you may not be thinking about Jesus during this season. You may be thinking about gifts. You may be thinking about family members. You may be thinking about family members you're going to see, family members you're not going to see. You may have a shopping list a mile long that you haven't got yet. I haven't been to Westfields. And there's many things you're thinking about. You may be thinking about the X Factor final or whatever's on TV. And everything that we're thinking about, and you may be thinking, well, Christian, you better hurry up and finish this sermon because I want to go to the 5 p.m. service. There's many things you're thinking about, but I want today for you to think about Jesus. Because Jesus is the central focus of this passage. You mean, without Jesus, we don't have a Christmas message. There is no Christmas theme. There is no celebration. That's what Christmas means. The celebration about Jesus. It's not about Santa Claus or elves or gifts. It's about Jesus. And here in the scripture, it's not just about Mary or Joseph. It's really about Jesus. Sometimes we focus on Mary. Sometimes we're focusing on Joseph. Sometimes we're focusing on the shepherds. Sometimes we're focusing on the wise men. Sometimes we're focusing on Herod or other things in the Christmas story. But here in this verse, it says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will be with child and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. There's a great debate out there on who Jesus is today in society, is there not? Is Jesus just a good, nice, good person? Is Jesus a prophet, as many Muslims and many other people might think as well? Is Jesus the son of God? Is he just an important person? Who is he? And it says here, he will be called the son of God. The son of the highest. So there it is. He is the son of God. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in the son of God shall not perish but have everlasting life. Even Peter said it. When Jesus asked him a question, he said, You know, who do you say that I am? And Peter responded, You know what? You are the son of God. You are the son of God. How is a man saved? How did you come to faith in Jesus? How did you come to faith in Jesus? Many people today will say you're saved by praying a prayer. How many people prayed a prayer to receive Christ into their life? We all prayed this prayer. Now, I'm not sure if you understood it, but the Bible is quite clear that when you pray, it's not just praying a prayer that makes you saved, but it's praying a prayer that confesses Jesus as Lord of your life. It says in Romans chapter 10, 
verse 8 and 9. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. What does that mean? It means that Jesus is your God. That means you've surrendered your life to not just a baby that was there in a manger called the Son of God. He is the Lord of all. You've surrendered your life to Him. You've given up your life and you've embraced Jesus and made Him the Lord. An example of this is in Acts chapter 9 where the Apostle Paul, he was... He was, the light shone upon him and he fell off his horse and he was blinded for a couple of days. And before that happened, when he went to the ground, he said, who are you, Lord? Everybody say, Lord. Who are you, Lord? And then he said, in the next sentence, what do you want me to do? So he knew that there was some supernatural power that knocked him off his horse and he was on the ground blinded and his response was, who are you, Lord? There's someone greater than me because he was about to put the Christians in prison. And affect the church. But instead God chose him as his chosen servant. Straight away Paul got saved by simply saying. Jesus you are Lord. Jesus you are the son of God. See Jesus himself claimed these these verses in John's gospel. I'll I'll give you them. Seven key verses Jesus claimed to be God. He said in John 6 verse 35. I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. Whoever eats from me will will, will receive strength, will last for eternal life. Now, what does that mean? Many of you might be thinking today, well, Jesus is the turkey of life or the pork of life, the meat of life around the the Christmas table. You know, he's he's the most important thing. You know, many of us are thinking today, well, you know, we're going to celebrate Christmas, but Jesus is everything to us. He's the bread of life. He's the meat of life. He is everlasting life. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. He said, whoever's in darkness will receive the light of life. He says here, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. He says, again, in John 15 verse 1, I am the vine and you are the branches. In John 10 verse 11, he says, I am the shepherd. And he says in John 11, when he raised Lazarus from the dead, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me shall not perish but have everlasting life. He says, I am the gate. Whoever enters through that gate will find life. This word, I am, here in the Greek, is that holy name of God. You remember the story in Exodus when God turned up to Moses and he said, who should I say who sent you? Who should I say who sent you? He said, tell them, I am that I am. What does that mean? It means that I am whoever you need me to be. I am that I am. I am the great God. And Jesus was saying here, This is one of the fundamental reasons why they killed Jesus. Because Jesus claimed to be the Son of God. That's one of the fundamental reasons why they killed Jesus. He claimed to be fully man and he claimed to be fully God. In one scripture in John it says, Before Abraham was, I am. And the the Jews and and the people, the Pharisees, got angry with Jesus. Hey, how can you say you were born before Abraham? Are you the Son of God? Are you some great person? He said, I am. I am that I am. Before Abraham was, I am. Jesus claimed himself to be God. And in fact, you cannot be saved unless you believe that Jesus is the Son of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son. That whoever believes in him, in who? The Son of God shall not perish but have everlasting life. Now you as a Christian today, you need to know how to defend Jesus being the Son of God. Because that is, Muslims are attacking that today. Even certain Christians might think, well, he was human. He was a prophet. I'm not even sure if he was, if he was God or not. 
There's doubt going on there. We need to, to know, to truly believe that Jesus is Lord, that he is God. John the Baptist, what did John the Baptist say about Jesus in John's Gospel chapter 1 and verse 29? He said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. What was he saying? He said, Jesus is Lord. He's God. He's the, he's the only Savior, the only sufficient Savior for your sins. See, only Jesus can save. I want to tell you today, Muhammad can't save you. Religion can't save you. Hinduism, it can't save you. Secularism, governments. I mean, we blame the government for all the things that are going on in our lives. The government can't save you. The government can't even provide for you. Only Jesus can. Only Jesus can forgive you of all sin. So John the Baptist, he saw Jesus. And he says, I know, I know who he was. Because the Spirit told me. The Spirit of God told me that whoever the Spirit rests on. God told me whoever the Spirit rests on. He is the one who baptizes in fire. He is the Son of God. He is the one who's come forth from God. Now listen, in this scripture, before we read in Matthew, they were waiting 400 years for a breakthrough. 400 years, they were, the Jews were meeting and they were thinking, there's a Messiah coming. Now you might have heard of the second coming. Anybody heard of the second coming of Jesus? If you brought, brought up a Christian, it seems like we've been taught for 400 years that Jesus is coming. He's still not here. It's a very long time. Now we're living in that thing. We're living in a waiting period right now. The second coming of Christ. But the first coming of Christ, that's what they were waiting for here. For 400 years, they were waiting. They were in exile. And the Romans took over Israel at that time. And so they were, they were, they were no longer reigning like in the time of David, where all the kings were reigning. They were now in a time of almost slavery. They were nobodies. Almost back in Egypt. They were being ruled. They were being governed by the Romans. And so they needed to hear from God. I don't know if you need to hear from God today. Anybody need to hear from God today? Now Mary, all she was probably dreaming about, she was just dreaming about getting married. Amen. Anybody want to get married here today? Anybody awake today? Hallelujah. I'm preaching and you, you, you might get married. Hallelujah. Something might happen to you. Because here, Mary, she's dreaming about getting married. And then suddenly, instead of her getting married, she's betrothed to Joseph. She meets with God. She meets with God. Now, one of the things that we need today is to believe that Jesus is Lord. But also, we need revelation. Revelation. Mary knew that the Christ would come. She didn't, however, probably know that she would be the one who birthed the Son of God. Now, prophetically speaking, as Christians, we need to pray and birth lots of sons of God today into society. Righteous people, sons who will be used by God, daughters who will be used by God. But Mary, she was just, she wasn't thinking probably of the Messiah at this time. All she was thinking about was just getting by, paying her taxes, paying her fees, getting a, a, a hotel, a room to lodge in so she could birth this child. She wasn't really thinking until this angel came and said, you're going to be with child by the Holy Spirit. God's going to use you. God's going to use you in a powerful way. Who, me? A 13-year-old, a young girl, a young virgin. Who? God's going to use me. I'm a nobody. Yes, God's going to use you. In fact, God's going to use you in such a way that the Son of God is going to be born through your life. Hallelujah. I want to tell you today that God wants to use you today. God wants to use you more than you think. Because today we're in a similar situation. I mean, if I take this congregation today, probably there's not many millionaires here today. Probably there's not many people who are earning hundreds of thousands of pounds or have two houses, two cars, and maybe two wives or whatever. You know, maybe you're not functioning or flourishing in the way you want. Maybe you're in need and you're in need of a breakthrough. Maybe you're a little like Mary. 
You think, oh, I've got my God. I'm getting married. I have a little. You know, I'm going to be content with my little. But that's where God comes in. Hallelujah. In Revelation. And he starts to build your faith. And he says, hey, instead of your little narrow thinking of how you're going to be used, I'm going to use you in a massive way. In fact, everybody's going to remember you. Everybody's going to remember you. They're going to remember you as this woman who brought forth the Son of God. And how's it going to happen? Well, number three. How's it going to happen? It says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. I like that. Number one, we need to believe that Jesus is Lord. Number two, we need to believe that Jesus is Lord by revelation. How does it happen? By revelation. And number three, how are we going to bring forth the plan that God has for us? How was Mary going to bring forth this plan? Well, number one, she didn't know that Joseph was going to continue in the relationship. So she didn't have everything worked out. God had turned up and said, listen, you're going to be with child. We said, how's it going to happen? As soon as my husband-to-be finds out, he's going to reject me. He's going to walk the other way. Because probably 90% of us here today, if we had a boyfriend or a girlfriend and they too timed us, and you know, then we would slam the door and say, hey, it's over. It's over. I remember someone said to me, she said, if I get married and my husband uh, cheats on me, that's it, finished. I thought, wow, that's if you get married. Praise God you haven't got married yet. Hallelujah. I know that if people have been through that, it's a difficult situation to be in. But you shouldn't move forward thinking like that. That's a wrong way to think. What about forgiveness? What about grace? Each situation is different. If you go in thinking that way, then you probably will get divorced. Your husband probably will cheat on you in the future because that's your mindset. So, you know, Mary was saying, how is this going to work out? I don't know. But she had to put her faith in God. There's certain things today in your life that you don't understand. You don't understand how they're going to work out. You don't understand how your family is going to be saved. You don't understand how your finances are going to be turned around. You don't understand how you're going to get that job. How you're going to get ahead. But for God. Hallelujah. But for God. God is the one who comes down here in the scripture. And he speaks to Joseph. And he says to Joseph. Don't be afraid. To take to you Mary as your wife. How's things going to happen in our lives? By the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we need the power of the Holy Spirit to impregnate faith into our spirit to achieve destiny today. I'll tell you today, you're a breakthrough away from something happening in your life. Now, when I think about this, I think about next year. What has God got for you next year? What has God got for you? If you make Jesus Lord of your life, he's the son of God. He's everything to you. You're worshiping him. You're putting him first place in your life. Number two, suddenly you get awakened. There's some revelation. Wow, God wants to use me. Well, how are you going to start to write down some things and start to put a blueprint for next year? Now, I don't know what happened in your life this year. Did anybody have a successful year? Don't be afraid. How many people didn't have a successful year? All right, so if you didn't have a successful year, how... Are you going to be successful next year? Now, I'm not talking about success in the world's terms. Because suddenly you think, well, if I'm successful, I'm going to get a new job, new car, new house, new this, new that. You know, or a new TV. I've got a new TV this year. Hallelujah. I'm happier. I'm happier for one reason, because I can use YouTube. Anybody use YouTube? And what I do on the, YouTube, the TV, I just press play on the YouTube, and I just get 24-7 worship. Just keeps going around on my TV. I'm happy about that because why? I come into my house and I just start worshiping God. There's times where I've experienced God. I don't worship the TV and bow down to the TV, by the way. It's just the worship, that music that's going on. That's encouraged me in my faith. 
God can do anything in your life. It happens by the Holy Spirit. If you're going to be successful next year, you need a divine encounter with the Holy Spirit. Amen? The visions and the dreams that God has for you are going to happen by the Holy Spirit. Mary was a nobody. We would never have remembered Mary in the Christmas story. Wouldn't even be in preaching about it today. Unless God had said the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will be with child. I've been on the street and argued with Muslims about how Jesus was born. And they said, well, how did God impregnate a human? And how did a human come forth from a virgin? And there was a big argument about that. And I said, well, I'm not quite understanding how you're working out, but God can do anything. If God wants to impregnate somebody by his power, he was the one who created you in the first place. He created Adam. Then out of the dust, he created Eve. So he created the ability for you to bear fruit. He married them together. He said, listen, go and bear fruit. So if he actually created the ability for you to bear fruit, it's nothing to God to just say, hey, you're going to become pregnant today. You're going to have twins today. You're going to get a new job today. Something's going to happen today by the power of the Holy Spirit. Nothing is impossible for God. I want to tell you, nothing is impossible for God. You're a breakthrough away from destiny today. That's my prayer for you this afternoon. That you look at this Christmas story and you'll say, Holy Spirit. It says you'll be found with child by the Holy Spirit. The vision for your family is in you right now. Hallelujah. It's in you right now. You have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. Now the Bible says to stir up the gift that is in you. To stir up the Holy Spirit. To start dreaming about your future. Who knows what you're going to do with your life? Who knows? But God knows. The Bible says before you were born, God knew you. And he set you apart to be a prophet to the nations. Amen. He set you apart. There's some people here today, you're doing things that you shouldn't be doing. You're living a life you shouldn't be living. And you need to get back on track to what God said to you in the beginning. What the Holy Spirit said to you. Now, being moved by the Holy Spirit, it doesn't mean sometimes that you're doing anything wrong. You could be doing something right. But you're just not doing the right thing. Now, how do we work that out? How is that an example of that? Well, Paul, in the book of Acts, he was preaching. He was preaching to everybody. Now, we know it's the will of God that we preach. Number two, we know it's the will of God that he saves people. So Paul was not doing anything wrong. He was preaching to people. He was saving people. He was healing people by God's power. And the church was moving forward. So he was doing nothing wrong in Acts in chapter 16. And then the Holy Spirit said to him, listen, I don't want you to do that anymore. I want you to go to this place called Macedonia. I want you to go to this place. And Paul said, oh, I'll go to this place. And Paul went to Macedonia and people started to get saved. So it's not just about doing the general will of preaching and teaching and cell ministry and looking after your family and being faithful and doing all that. It's about doing what the Holy Spirit's doing. I want to ask you that question today. Are you doing what the Holy Spirit is doing? Because Jesus is successful in ministry. How was Jesus successful in ministry? He did only what the Father was doing. He did only what the Spirit was doing. All the breakthroughs that Jesus had, the sermons that we preached, the, the, the crippled man in John chapter 5, And all these different miracles that happened, it was done by the Holy Spirit because Jesus was brought forth by the Holy Spirit. His success in ministry was done by the Holy Spirit. John the Baptist said, listen, the Holy Spirit rested on him. So it's the Holy Spirit that needs to come into our lives. I want you to lift your hands right now and just ask the Holy Spirit to come afresh into your life right now. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but you should be start planning some Holy Spirit encounters For December and January, you should be praying and say, God, I need the filling of the Holy Spirit. 
It says the Holy Spirit came on Mary and she was found with child. Hallelujah. And her destiny, something happened to her destiny. Something happened to her future in Jesus' name. Oh, Father God, we ask you to fill us with the Holy Spirit today. Oh, God. Oh, God, we need you to birth some vision and some revelation inside of our spirit, Lord God, and to turn us around, Father God, and send us in the direction of heaven in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray today, birth something new. Birth something new. Birth something new in us in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. I want you to turn over to Luke's Gospel. Luke's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 39. Now, Number one, you're saved by believing that Jesus is Lord. Number two, you're also saved by revelation. The revelation came to Mary. Number three, if you're going to move forward, you need the Holy Spirit. And the last thing I want to mention today is you need to be around the right people. The right people. Sometimes we spend a lot of time with wrong people. Hanging around with wrong people. Letting wrong people speak to us. Wrong TV programs, wrong news items, wrong newspapers. They get into our head and suddenly we're depressed. We're not, we don't have hope anymore. We don't have faith anymore. We're not moving forward anymore. Because why? We're around people who are like, like a dirty rag. That's the only way. If someone threw a dirty rag on you, how would you feel? You'd feel pretty disgusting. You'd be like, oh, get off that rag. Because it's dirty. Someone just mopped the floor with it. That's what negative people are like. Or people who are not carrying the anointing. They're like fire extinguishers. They, they distinguish the fire of the Holy Spirit. They say, oh, there's some fire over there. Boom, come out. That's what people do who are negative. People who are, when you're hanging around with wrong people. Now, the cell group ministry is there to create not just anybody, any relationship, but what the word says, iron sharpening iron relationships. Think of Mary and Elizabeth here in Luke's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 39. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zachariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard, now Elizabeth was pregnant with John the Baptist. So, and there were family, there were family, there was some connection there in the family. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb. So when she heard Mary, even John the Baptist leapt because he thought, hey, he's, he's a woman of God. He's somebody who's got the Christ in her. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child within, with, that you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Look at this scripture, Mary and Elizabeth. Mary's pregnant. Elizabeth doesn't necessarily know that. Maybe she does, we don't know for 100%. And as soon as there's a divine encounter, they suddenly they meet, the baby in her womb leaps, and Elizabeth gets filled with the Holy Spirit. That's the type of people I want to be around. Hallelujah. I want to be around someone who's filled with Jesus, someone who's filled with the Son of God, Someone who's got Jesus, pregnant with Jesus, pregnant with vision, and then you encounter them and suddenly, wow, something happens to you, you get stirred. Amen? That's what it means to have true divine relationships, to be around the right people in the right time, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I remember in, when, in, when I was 18 and I was in the Bible school, and during that time in the Bible school, I mean, it wasn't unusual for the Holy Spirit to be moving at the Bible school. I mean, I remember one guy who was standing here, 
And uh, does anybody remember the days of the oil? Oil on hands, oil on heads. I mean, that, I mean, whatever you think about these manifestations, these manifestations are signs that point to God. They say, hey, God's doing something. So we don't worship the sign. But it was like, I mean, I saw it. I was sitting in the middle of there. Uh, Winston is around where you are. And this guy was on the platform. Colin was ministering. And then this guy came forward from, I think it was a French African guy. And he came forward and Colin just prayed for him. And then suddenly out of nowhere, there was like, I don't know if it was an angel or the Holy Spirit. There was like a, like a spray gun. And suddenly the spray went and all this oil started dripping from his head. The supernatural. And then the Holy Spirit just broke out into that Bible school session. And all these students were on the floor meeting with God. So there's, there's times there where the Holy Spirit was just moving. I was, I was 18. So it wasn't unusual for the Holy Spirit to be moving in our services or people to be laughing or, or, or even people just to continue in the meeting, just meeting with God. I remember on the way, I was on the way to Windsor and I met a man that I evangelized to and he was backslidden. So I started witnessing to him. And I the Holy Spirit was in me. So I just said, hey, lift your hands. Lift your hands and receive the Holy Spirit. So I laid my hands up on him and he just fell under the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't know where he is today. He might be still there because I left him there. But, you know, that, that was just me. I didn't have much wisdom. I just laid hands upon him, received the Holy Spirit and I left and I went on with my journey. Now, for me, when you've, you're full of the Holy Spirit, when God's given you a purpose and a destiny and he stirred something in you, you're actually pregnant with something, then those you around, they start to get pregnant as well. They start to get excited as well. Because the Bible says, iron sharpens iron. So if you're in a cell group, for me, if you're in a cell group that's not working, God, you need, God have mercy. You do need to find people that you're around. Everybody should be in a cell group that's working around men or women who are stirring you for God. Hallelujah. Now, we, there's two types of cell groups, isn't there? There's those who stir the fire in you, and you get excited, and there's those who just care for you. And it's, it's difficult to be in both, to have someone who has fire and someone who's caring for you. Usually those who have the fire don't really care because they're just caring about the fire. As long as the Holy Spirit's there, as long as the fire's there, we don't really care about what's happening in your personal life. Just shut up and receive the Holy Spirit. God will sort it out. Hallelujah. They're Holy Spirit people. And then there's those who care. And you're saying, well, I just want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't worry. God will fill you in the right time. Everything's going to be all right. But I want the Holy Spirit. No, everything's going to be all right. I'll visit you. I'll be there. Hey, he's 50 pounds. God bless you. You're in a cell group with someone who cares for you. But it's best to be in a cell group if you have both people in your life. Those who can pastor you, those who can care for you, and those who get the fire started in you. Hallelujah. That's what happened to Mary and Elizabeth. They had a divine relationship. And even the baby in the womb, John the Baptist, he just left and said, hey, there's the Christ. Even John the Baptist and Jesus had a divine partnership. John the Baptist came first as the Elijah, and then Jesus came, as if it were, as the greater. And uh, as John the Baptist said, I must decrease and he must increase. There was a divine partnership, a divine order that was happening there. And God will place specific people in our lives that will encourage us towards destiny. Maybe you, uh, you haven't met those people as yet. Maybe you haven't met those people who will help you towards the future. Mary needed Elizabeth and Elizabeth needed Mary. I think about David and Jonathan. David and Jonathan in 1 Samuel chapter, I think it's chapter 19 or 18 where they made a covenant with one another. Jonathan was the heir to be. He was about to be king, the son of Saul. But David was the anointed to be king. And Jonathan made a covenant with him, almost saying, listen, I'll make a covenant with you. Our partnership, our brotherhood is more important than our position. 
And in fact, in the end, it was Jonathan who helped David escape from Saul. And it was Jonathan who helped David become king in the end. So David almost sacrificially sacrificed his future, his destiny, so that David could become king. That's a partnership, a divine partnership. Sometimes in life, you'll not get ahead unless you have people to sharpen you. Iron sharpens iron. If you're blunt today, meaning if you're depressed or you're going through a struggle and you're trying to break through and you're trying to get ahead, but you're simply not getting ahead. Anybody here like that today? You've tried to break through. I mean, there's things in your life you're trying and you're trying and trying like a blunt knife. Nothing worse than a blunt knife during the Christmas, uh, the Christmas season. I mean, you say, hey, you cut the turkey and you give him a blunt knife. And you say, hey, where's the turkey? Oh, I'm trying to cut it here. I'm trying to cut the turkey. Why are, you, how, why are you taking so long? Well, this knife's not working. See, if you're going to eat this Christmas, you need a sharp knife. Amen? Yep, exactly. Hallelujah. You need a sharp knife. Now, how does the knife become sharp? I remember being with my granddad at Christmas and during uh, Sunday lunches. My, my nana, who, you know, is, who passed away a year or so ago, she used to make the, the best Yorkshire puddings and gravy. I mean, the best pork, spicy pork from India. Was, oh, hallelujah, Jesus. She's having a vision right now. And I went out to see my granddad. And what was he doing? He, was, he had these long knives. I mean, he used to be a sergeant major. So I thought he was ready to fight somebody. And so he was sharpening it. He was looking at these knives and he was going like this. And I was like, what are you doing, granddad? He said, I'm sharpening the knife. I said, what are you sharpening the knife for? Well, the knife's blunt and I need to cut the turkey. And this is how you sharpen. So I need two blades. This blade is sharpening this blade. And so he'd go in after sharpening the knife every Sunday and he would cut the turkey. Because before that time, he couldn't cut the turkey because the knife was blunt. And that's a picture sometimes of our lives. We need other people in our lives that will sharpen us. There's no such thing as an isolated Christian. Although there seems to be many of them around. Everybody, I don't like you anymore. Don't like you, don't like you. I'm just here, me and the Lord. And you, what, you, what happens after a while, it's, ju- it's just you and the Lord. And in fact, it just becomes you. Because the Lord is only there when there's two or three gathered in his name. Do you get that? Two or three gathered in his name, there he is in the midst of them. God puts divine relationships around you to ensure that you move forward in your destiny. But if you reject those divine relationships, if you get upset with those people in the flesh, then those people are not going to help you anymore and you're certainly not going to get forward in your destiny. Sometimes maybe going backwards and just correcting some of those relationships that you had can help you move forward again in your future. Because without that knife, that other person sharpening you, you're not going to break through. There's a scripture in Isaiah. God says, I'll make you sharp again. I'll make you like a new threshing sledge with sharp teeth. And you will cut the mountains and you will make them small. It just gives you a picture of Israel at the time. God was saying to Israel, you're not sharp. You prayed, nothing's happened. These mountains that you're trying to push, they're still there. You've not had a breakthrough for a long time, but today I'm going to make you sharp again. Hallelujah. I don't know if that describes you today. You've had some mountains in your life, some difficulties in your life, and God's saying to you today, listen, I want to make you sharp. How's he going to make you sharp? Well, he's going to put people in your life that are going to sharpen you, make you effective again. He's going to give you revelation. Hallelujah. It first happens, number one, the revelation of the Son of God. 
Hallelujah. We believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Then we get revelation. He wakes us up. We get filled with the Holy Spirit. And once you get filled with the Holy Spirit, God starts to say, hey, hang around with those people. There's a person I'm putting in your life. Get in that cell group. Sit under that leader. That person's going to mentor you. And then you suddenly find yourself moving forward again in the things of God. Hallelujah. Amen. That's my prayer for you today. So let's stand right now. We have to finish a little bit early today because the guys are going to be sound checking for the concerts. But if someone wants to come on the keyboard right now, Thank you, Father God. All right, lift your hands right now. And just make Jesus the Lord of your life. And just say, Lord, you're the Lord. There's no other Lord but you, Father God. Lord, I want you to be the center of this season in Jesus' name. Lord, you are the bread of life, the light of the world, the way, the truth, and the life. You're the vine, the shepherd, the resurrection of life. You're the gate, Lord God. And Lord, I come to you right now in the name of Jesus. Oh God, I ask you for revelation in Jesus' name concerning my destiny, concerning my family, concerning my future. I ask you, God, that you fill me with the Holy Spirit. Ask him, Holy Spirit, come and fill me right now. And just say, God, bring people in my life, divine relationships, Lord God. Divine relationships like Elizabeth who, who will encourage me in the things of God. Father God, we ask you in Jesus' name. Lord, we say you are the Lord. You're the Lord of our lives. Be Lord of all today in Jesus' name. Be Lord of all. Be Lord of all, Father God, in the name of Jesus. Now with every head bowed and every eye closed right now, I want to give an opportunity before we close the service for anybody in this place today who doesn't know the Lord. I'm going to pray a prayer today. You don't know Jesus. You don't know him as the son of God. You don't have forgiveness of sins. You don't have this new life we're talking about today. You need his forgiveness. While every head is bowed and every eye is closed, I want us to pray this prayer out loud all together. And if you're in this place right now and you need him in your life, you need his forgiveness, you need his grace, I want you to pray this prayer and Jesus has come. He's going to come and he's going to save you. Pray this prayer after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I come to you right now. And I ask you to forgive all my sins. Today I believe in you. I believe that you're the son of God. And today I choose to follow you. Thank you, Lord, for accepting me in Jesus' name. Amen. Every head bowed and every eye closed right now. If you're in this place today and you need his forgiveness, you need his grace, I want to pray with you. You prayed that prayer and you're saying, no, Christian, pray for me. I need Jesus. I need his forgiveness. You lift your hand right now. I want to pray with you today. Just lift it high. When you lift that hand high, God sees that hand. You may be in this place today and you're saying, you know what, I've been away from God and I want to rededicate my life. I need His forgiveness. You lift your hand high right in this place. There's a lady there. Just lift it high right now. One of our consolidators will come and speak with you. There's a lady here. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. There's a lady just there. Lift it high. Make Jesus the Lord of your life. Make Jesus the Lord of your life. Jesus at the center of it all. Jesus at the center of it all. Jesus, be the center of my life. Be the center of my life. Be the center of my focus. Thank you, Father. Lord, every single person who's raised their hand, Lord, I ask you that you'd give them new life. Break the power of the enemy. Break the power of discouragement, fear. Break the power of sin and death in the name of Jesus. Give them life right now in Jesus' name. Now the rest of you, just lift your hands right now and think about making Jesus the center. How are you going to make Jesus the center? How are you going to make Jesus the center of your Christmas? How are you going to make Jesus the center of everything that's happening during this season? Father God, we ask you, God, through prayers, through meals, through events, 
through family connections, through witnessing, through everything that we're doing. Lord, we pray that you'd use us. Holy Spirit, fill us. Fill us. And Lord, as we go into next year, it was only a couple of weeks away. Father God, we pray in the name of Jesus, put us around the right people. Give us Holy Spirit relationships. Let us operate in revelation, Father, because we need it. Father God, we need that revelation. And Father God, let us operate in that revelation that Jesus is the Son of God. Lord, we pray these things today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Let's give Jesus praise. Hallelujah. Amen.